Welcome to this week's episode of the CPG View, the number one CPG information source for global omni-channel leaders. On this week's episode of the CPG View, we sit with a dear friend, Francesca Hahn. We cover off her time in the CPG industry and how she's seen the approaches and strategies for engaging consumers online differ than those used in traditional retail channels and what lessons CPG brands can learn from the differences to optimize their online presence. We discussed her time in the CPG industry and how the digital landscape has evolved. We discussed how the growing popularity of online grocery shopping and delivery services will continue to amplify and present opportunities for CPG brands. We also discuss her role as executive sponsor of U.S. Women's Sales Leadership Network and what she's very passionate about. And then finally, we discuss the role that Digital Shelf plays in the CPG industry's online presence. Enjoy. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by Visit the visual AI platform that's revolutionizing the way brands secure consumer attention, boost sales, and win every moment with consumers with advantaged visual content. Did you know that a staggering 93% of consumers say visuals are the key deciding factor in their purchase decisions? That's why Visit is your ultimate partner to unlock the full potential of imagery that attracts and converts. Leveraging their patented AI analysis software, Visit automatically gathers, organizes, and analyzes thousands of product images across your digital shelf to measure and enhance the conversion power of your PDP imagery in real time. This innovative technology helps you understand, predict, and optimize what captures your audience's attention and why. With Visit, you can increase conversion up to 45% grow online sales up to 30% and drive increases in traffic of up to 25%. Don't miss out on the opportunity to elevate your visual content and outshine your competition with Visit. Head to visit.com, V-I-Z-I-T.com to learn more and start captivating your target audience today. All right, I wanted to welcome you, my dear friend, Thank you so much for joining this episode of the CPG View. We're we're on a on a mission here, and I can't think of a better guest than you to to join us on that mission. Would you mind uh, introducing yourself, y- your name, and and uh, the company you work for? Don, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm Francesca Hahn. I uh, lead the U.S. digital commerce team at Mondelez International. I've got about twenty plus years in consumer packaged goods. I've had the pleasure of working on amazing brands at PepsiCo, at Diageo, at Colgate Palmolive, at Britax, Carcisse and Strollers, and then now I've been at Mondelez for two years. Uh, for those who don't know Mondelez, we're uh, an amazing family of snack brands such as Oreo, Ritz. We recently acquired Cliff bar, Sour Patch Kids, all these amazing brands that that everyone knows and and loves to snack on. Oh, Don, what's your favorite Mondelez snack brand? That was not a that was not a hard one. That for me, it's definitely Oreos, but more specifically, it's a specific kind of Oreos. There's there's either position 1 or position 2. Uh position 1 is the golden Oreos and then position 2 is the birthday Oreos. 
but they get me in big time trouble. Uh, I can't eat just whatever the serving size is. I don't eat that. I eat just way more. So, but those are hands down my favorite. I do sell a lot of two count Oreos uh, on Amazon, which is a nice portion size. Then again, you just have to pick one and not not pick up multiple portion sizes. But yes, those are great. Oreos are amazing brand. I love selling them. I have the pleasure of owning the direct to consumer uh, site also for Oreo.com and and get to see how people engage and, and love our brand through Oreo. I love that. You and I have both had similar journeys in our careers and the brand types of brands we've worked with. So we're almost like you could say we're maybe corporate cousins. Um, but anyway, so let's dive in here. So in the CPG industry, how have you seen approaches and strategies for engaging consumers differ than those used in traditional retail retail channels? And and you, you know, what lessons can CPG brands learn from the differences uh, as they think about optimizing their online presence? I grew up in the traditional retail CPG, you know, cat channels such as Food Mass. Um, I've been on Target, Walmart, Kroger, et cetera. I was also I was in category management. So I've been through all the traditional ways and how people purchase and I think the real difference with online is just the amazing amount of dynamic path to purchase that you get through this. People are entering the sales funnel in so many different places. They can be on their phone because they just want to look at our ratings and review. They may be captured by a TikTok ad. They're walking through the store and they're deciding, hey, I want to go and look up. Is this the new variety of Oreo that I want to try? And what are people saying about it? And what can I learn? Um, so I think that's the the thing is it's such become such an heterogeneous experience and and so from a brand perspective we have to think about that that piece and and uh, and I I think my, one of the lessons that I've learned through my digital commerce experiences I've been doing almost seven years which is crazy to think about mm-hmm. is the importance of a strong brand purpose and identity because I think if you can nail that down then it helps to wherever you're selling, then you can you can develop an integrated brand experience that looks seamless wherever you find. Wherever somebody is interacting with you, it looks consistent. It looks consistent on Oreo.com. It looks consistent on Walmart.com or Instacart. Mm-hmm. And then um, and, in, and if you're on a TikTok ad or in, or in Google. So if you can figure out how to make sure the, that all the touch points are very consistent, uh, that's how you'll win. You know, it's interesting. You said seven years. So, okay, we haven't compared notes, but I really do think we might have been on identical tracks. We'll com- we'll compare notes after this, but you might have gotten a tap on the shoulder to say, hey, there's this new up and coming channel. Are you interested? Um, if it's anything like my my journey or you might have just jumped to it. Um, but and, well, well, and I was at Colgate at the time yeah. and I, I just was touching it and someone tapped me and, and yeah. said, we want you to go over here and, and go on pet channel. Ecom thing is really growing fast. And, yeah. and, uh, who knew, um, but who I'm knew? so glad I said yes, because I, I just love the community and all the learning and the constant yeah. evolution. Um, so who knows, but I will yeah. say one of the lessons though, through this and, and, you know, you think about the the lessons are, are how you optimize your online presence. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges is because you're everywhere, you've got to figure out how to manage all that at mm-hmm. one point. And I think data and, mm-hmm. uh, and analytics is one big key piece. 
Um, I also, I, I often use the term optimistically paranoid because of course there's three P sellers trying to take over your brand, especially right. amazing brands that I've been able to sell. Um, so you've got to find these automated tools that can help bring up where you maybe not looking as good as you would like, or someone's trying to take over your brand page on Amazon. So I think yeah. measurement and, and automated automation and tools has been um, something that's really been evolving and helps because for, for my brand, I'm sold everywhere. I am, I am sold at the airport. I'm sold you know, at, at convenience stores. I'm sold in so many locations. So you need help yeah. um, with the number of SKUs and the number of spaces you're at. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. And and one of our episodes in the CPG view, we actually have the uh, partner of the SoftBank Vision Fund, who who invests hundreds of million dollars, uh, millions of dollars in in Series normally growth stage Series C. And it's exactly what you just said: uh, automate automation, leveraging AI. Before everybody was talking about AI in the last couple of weeks, but um, you're right because you need scalable capabilities. Um, as, as for, specifically as brands with thousands and thousands of SKUs and in many, many different uh, regions. But I wanted to ask you uh, here, you know, as we think about the digital shelf and the crucial role it plays in the CPG industry, regardless of the brand, how are you, how have you found success ensuring that Mondelez's products are effectively leveraging the digital shelf? Um, to to increase conversion rates and maintain a competitive edge in the dynamic market that we're in specifically in CPG? Well, often I start with the digital shelf first. I mean, that is, you have to nail that before you do anything. You know, we talk about retail media and, and we're talking about, about, you know, how do we leverage social commerce? If you don't get the, the digital shelf right first, then um, your effectiveness is not going to be good anywhere else you go. So that's a big thing. It's just raising the importance of that in everything you do. Um, as kind of from a large company perspective, it's creating a model and, and um, you know, and within Mondelez, we call it a flywheel strategy. Like you've got to have the right assortment. You've got to have the right content. You've got to have the right search strategy, activation. I mean, you've got to make sure you get all these all those elements first, and then you start to drive people to it. Um, and, and I think that's really important. And, and I, I try to make it as easy as possible to learn and remember because it's a, it is a lot. And so we try to, to create some ideas of that are pithy and, and easy to remember so that the people are able to focus quickly and know if they're winning or not. We do, um, digital shelf audits. Mm -hmm. We, um, you know, we talk about what's flawless execution online and we create scorecards. We, we again, leverage data and analytics to help show, are we winning share of shelf? Are we winning content, our content scorecard? Um, and if someone wants to dig deep, they can, but I just want to say, are, you know, are we at a 95% or plus on our content and where we want to win? And if yes, then we can move on and go to where there's bigger opportunities. And I, I mentioned content because to me also, that is the biggest thing we have to focus on um, and, and, and making sure that you have the right bullets, you have the right thumbnails, really mobile optimized thumbnails are incredibly important. People like to swipe more than they want to scroll and, uh, and so you got to make it super easy. Start on the, the phone or on your mobile phone before you ever go and look at your desktop. This is a big topic that I have to constantly remind people. It's like, we, we shouldn't really be looking at our computer, even though that's what we're doing during the day, typically for a job. 
And, um, and then, and, and with that, I think if you can nail that, you're automatically going to be already in a winning place because people are going to be able to find you easier with good search engine optimized bullets. You're going to be able to um, get people to be able to find, learn, and also buy pretty quickly in that situation. And then once you start spending more money towards it, then that's just gravy, right? That's just going to drive more incremental sales to your business. Yeah, you said a couple of things there that you, around uh, flywheels and and pithy, easy to remember things, and you know it does bring me back. It's probably the basics you and I have learned and and exercised over the years. But you know, do you have the right selection? What's your share of what's your share of voice? Do you have the right content? Do you have a the a proper ratings and review strategy? Um, you know, what's your your profitability? Um, there's, but to your point, there's a, there's a framework and it, and it varies and, and the way it looks to different brands, but typically it's going, going to exist or contain many of the same elements. And I think keeping the main thing, the main thing, and not trying to boil the ocean, um, and being really focused with what you're measuring and monitoring and actioning upon is one of the things that I've seen is helpful, especially as brands like yours that are very large, thousands of SKUs. I don't know how many SKUs that you know you oversee, but you know if you have thousands of SKUs and you're in multiple countries, you really have to keep it as simple as you possibly can in terms of process and, and frameworks. Hundred percent. So you know, as we think about the evolution of the digital landscape, you know, we've got emerging trends in text uh, technology in the space. What do you think will be the most will have the most important significant impact on the CPG industry. And how are you preparing your team to adapt in the changing environment? We spoke about it a little bit earlier, but data and analytics is, I think, where it's really evolving well right now. And in terms of using technology to instead prompt people and where there's problems versus um, you having to dig and try to figure it out. to your point, I've got over a thousand SKUs in the U.S. alone that we're trying to to make sure that we look great everywhere. So that that is really key. And now there are some really great data providers who can scrape and give us great intelligence and often proactive intelligence that helps on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. Kind of have to depend on on what you can actually action upon in Mm -hmm. in the frequency, but in some cases you need the support on a daily, maybe even more frequent basis. I think what's emerging and it's the hot one we we heard at Shop Talk and um, is AI and machine learning. Frankly, we were already using it in some cases and some um, some some use cases before Chat GPT was the hottest topic. But but it is so interesting how it's evolving. And what's different about ChatGPT is the contextualness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting, we've been doing some t- test cases on Spanish language uh, where uh, certain websites out there are translating to Spanish. And it's a terrible translation for our brand and certain keywords. Yet somehow chat GBT, because it's contextual, they're able to actually create a much more robust and more accurate Spanish translation. Mm. I mean, it, it, mm. we've been testing this with, uh, with the content seems to be a really good, obvious use case that, that our team has really gone in. It was just so easy to leverage very quickly and get into it. You had somebody on your, uh, your podcast earlier, visit the visit team. Um, I think what they're doing is really interesting. We've done some testing, learning with them. 
and seeing, you know, it's actually really interesting uh, what, what rises to the top in terms of effectiveness, um, in terms of the right thumbnails. And, and it, yeah, yeah, it was good that we had good thumbnails, but now, mm -hmm. you know, we got to continue to raise the bar to, to improve, especially for the brands that really, um, that are the big powerhouses. And so, you know, these, these tools are going to make us better. Yeah. And the only thing I'll, I'll add one more social commerce is really interesting too. And, uh, you know, we all watch China and it's been a bit of a lagger, but, you know, there's certainly some technologies coming out there. And I really see what's changing is the, the, the closeness of now commerce to awareness. It's like, they, they say like the funnels collapsing or there's no longer a funnel. I, I don't know what the right way is. Yeah. I mean, you probably have a good perspective, but I think that that technology and how we can talk to consumers and user generated content linked to commerce is uh, really could be a game changer for us. Yeah, I think going back to you and I's similarities and backgrounds, you know, we we grew up in an environment where strategy was just commonly talked about very frequently. And you think about, to your point around these evolving technologies, I, I think it's just so important. What I've seen and, and learned along the way is, you know, as we have clarity of our ambitions and our where to where to play and how to win choices, that we evolve our capabilities and our systems to support Right. And as new channels uh, crop up and we make choices with our strategy of where we're going to play, that we, to your point, what maybe once was a nice to have now is a is a must must have. I mean, it, it, you gave the example of visuals. Um, and it, again, it's just really fascinating to think about. We're really lucky to be in the time we are. I don't know if you feel this way. Um, you, you probably probably do it sometimes and maybe not at others because we don't always have the answers, but you know how fast things are evolving, whether it's retail media that has grown at a face faster than social media, uh, whether you mentioned visuals a moment ago, there's just so much that's going to happen over the next couple of years while we are in the jobs that we are in. It's just very, very interesting time. And I'm, I'm really fortunate that we get to take a part, take part of that. Don, and I also think a new one that's coming up that um, I think is emerging is omni-channel fulfillment. So we've got these omni-channel retailers out there that um, are finding that a huge percentage of their business is through, uh, sold off their shelves, through their stores, through their pickers in the store. And it can be incredibly disruptive to the store and to the shopper experience if pickers at 6 a.m. Are, are, are clearing the shelf um, mm. for the people that, you know, for the, for the shoppers who just want to shop today and uh, at eight o'clock. And, um, and so there's a lot of work on automation, um, these automated fulfillment centers. And, and, um, and so I think as I think about what's coming in front of us too, this is one that I also think is emerging and we need to be in partnership with um, with these retailer omnichannel retailers on what's the future going to be. Yeah, great point. Um, I wanted to get your perspective on as we think about the growing popularity of online grocery, right? Especially in the bread household, that is the default. But uh, in delivery services like Instacart and the like, how do you see the relationship between CPG brands and these platforms evolving over the next couple of years and any insight you have on maybe some opportunities for CPG brands to collaborate with those types of uh, platforms? 
I think because I come from category management background, I, I go right there first. Like you need each other. CPG and the retailer need each other. And the last milers, you know, they're an arm of that. They're very smart tech folks, super intelligent, but they don't often have the category management or understanding of traditional retail um, and how it, it kind of goes end to end. And so I think we all need each other. And, and what I actually, one of the things I do love about this environment is there is a lot of humbleness of learning together through this. And, and I think if, if all parties are being humble and working together and being open about the challenges and things that we need to do, um, then, then they're going to be more productive. Um, I've seen great situations. I've seen uh, councils, advisory councils happening. I see um, open forums. I um, We've created also media rubrics. I've seen some agencies create this where, so an example of what a media rubric is, is we have a retail media of all the great, you know, what we think great is with retail media. You know, we're selling, we're, we're with a lot of retail media now, Don, it's pretty crazy how many there are. And, um, and so we're saying, this is what great is. This is what great effective use of our retail media money is. And this is what you are with a red, yellow, or green. Um, green is great, and but red, if you're red, these are the things you need to do to get to green. And we're finding if we have a transparent, collaborative partnership discussion, they're very appreciative of it. And my goal is you can't please hand this document over to your tech team, and it gives you the rationale on the why too. It gives a lot of context on on what we would do. And guess what? If you improve on your rubric, we will likely spend more money with you because we'll think it's going to drive our incremental sales to, for our business. And so everybody's the win-win here because that's ultimately all, we all just want to, you know, sell more products and, and make more money ultimately as a business. And, uh, and so I think we're all in it to, to do that together. So as we think about all that we've discussed, you spoke a lot about partnering, flawlessly executing, you mentioned a few times and test and learn approaches. How do you set up your team and atmosphere for success in a fast growing and dynamic space? It's actually probably where all the fun is here is how do you, you grab this team and, and drive a business, not just your own team, but the whole organization. When every item is now e-commerce, every customer is e-commerce. We say e and e-commerce is it for everyone at this point and, uh, because we all have to engage. And so yeah. I think it always starts with a North Star. It, it can be your CEO talking about, for us, 20% of our business will be e-com by 2030. That one statement is incredibly powerful for, for not only me, but a lot of the leaders to help um, empower and drive people towards a strategy. So that's important. I think also having a strategic plan for digital commerce. Like, Where do you think, knowing the business, knowing the categories you're in, the channels that you, you thrive in, what are the big areas of growth that you need help with so that you can amplify and grow? And how big do you think you will get is always a good question. It can be quite a motivator. If you think you're going to grow a billion dollars, I don't know what the right number is, but you know, right. that can be a billion dollars is very motivating for a lot of people and can release the funding, um, the support, the resources that you need to be successful. And then you ladder up to more tangible in-year sets of objectives and KPIs so that 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 then people know if they're making success and you're making path towards the strategic plan and ultimately that big that big North Star company goal that you have. And then I try to set it up from, from my team perspective as a bunch of general managers, because once if they feel very confident in the, the overall company vision, the strategic plan, and they're in your goals, then they can they can go after that. But 
to the point of Digcom, it could be different. I mean, it can adjust quite a bit. I mean, th things have already interrupted my plan in 23, uh, you know, three and a half months in. And so you, you have to be a little bit agile. And I think a general manager mindset will help, you know, can enable people to be able to move within that, just knowing that these are the key KPIs to go. And, and uh, one question I do get a lot, Don, is what are your KPIs? What, what do you go after? How do you know if you're being successful? And I typically go to the general manager type of net revenue, right. profit, and share. Like, if we're not winning that, then we're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a problem, though, with digital commerce. Sometimes it can be margin degrading. Like, if you're selling on Amazon EPAC, sometimes that can be problematic. But say, okay, but what's the incrementality of that? What's the... The long-term play here, you know, yes, it might be degrading today, but what, what happens when it's 40% of your business, Right. you, you know, and, and you're, you're going to have to come think through what's the long-term RGM or revenue growth management valuation down the path. So again, general manager mindset can really help kind of frame out the, uh, the future thinking for the team. Now, one more for you is then creating the 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 space for testing and learning, giving people the chance because you know we mentioned some of these really interesting technologies coming out, and uh, you've got to give space for your team to be able to move in the test and learn space and try new things. Um, yes, you, you got to have the or organization going after a couple key KPIs like the the flywheel scorecards towards share of search or share of voice content. But then you've got to have some people in your organization that are going to help kind of try the new things because it's going to constantly evolve in this space. And you've got to have that freedom or you're going to get left behind. Love that. I, one of the things I think about often is you know, the saying of, you know, e-commerce is, is a P&L. It's not a project. And, and I think you and I probably in our journeys, I would imagine at some points in our journey at different companies, it's been a project and then it evolves to a P&L with, to your point, clear OKRs and, and a strategy and a vision. And it's it's night and day difference when you have one versus the other. So yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome, awesome color. So I wanted to I wanted to get your perspective on leadership. So I know you are an executive sponsor of the US Women's Sales Leadership Network at Mondelez. Um, what initiatives or strategies specific to the CPG industry have you found to be most effective in promoting diversity and inclusion and supporting career growth of women within the organization? This is an area that I've been incredibly passionate about over my whole career. And you can imagine my early in my career, um, I was in alcohol. Uh, it, it, there were very few women in, in, in alcohol at the time. And and, um, and even CPG in general, um, you know, it, it definitely was weighted not towards women for quite a bit of the career. And it's amazing what it's evolved to in, in general, but from a professional and personal perspective, I found that women's networks, very impactful. Early in my career, it was, they were role models. They were people I could see myself in, in the future. In the middle, I was moving a lot as part of my roles. And it was a way to just plug into a group that I could already have some camaraderie with. That was really important. And then I actually started one in Europe um, with a, with a, I co-founded one and, um, and that's still going today. And I, I got so much satisfaction also on starting to see others unlock it and get, get the experiences. And to the point of, 
of CPG, I only know CPG, so I don't know what it's like in all these other areas, but it's, I only know my own experience, but I feel like there's so many opportunities to, um, to have these networks, even like these events, like shop talk and other events. And then also these amazing thought leaders, you get some really innovative and interesting people that can come speak and talk about their perspective. I mean, it, it, it can be about any topic. Um, it was interesting with Mondelez too, which I, I do admire is besides the Women's Sales Leadership Network, there's about eight ERGs that are really well-known. And um, one of them is called the Multi-Generation Alliance. And that one is about like kind of spanning the different generations. And there's a lot of mentoring and reverse mentoring happening, which I really admire. That's an initiative that I've also seen in a couple past experiences with digital commerce as a way to get people to understand, you know, learn and understand in, in a, um, in a humble way with reverse mentoring. And, um, and, and I think that ultimately any, any participation in any employee resource group is going to give you an opportunity to get exposed to new and different people and, and encourage that as well. For once not, you know, you get to more of a leadership level, you're also encouraging people to really engage and bring their authentic selves you know, showing my own, um, you know, weaknesses or experiences that I've had over my career and, and showing how, you know, you potentially went against some diversity challenge. Um, it, it helps to have people grow and see the experiences, see um, what it can mean when you lean in and be your authentic self and bring your whole self. And that, that actually, if you do that, then it's such more enjoyable and engaging experience at work, which you spend so much time you know, with engaging with all these people. And so I, I, I'm a big fan of, of just leaning in and, and taking the opportunities with women's sales leadership network. It's one, one, one big opportunity, but there's so many others as well. I love that. I, I you know, many, most, uh, are, a large portion of what you just said resonates with me personally. And I think about my own personal uh, mission statement and it's super, it's very simple. It's to educate, encourage, and empower those around me. And to your point, you know, we spend so much time at work and in our in our jobs. It, it is very rewarding to be attached to something bigger. And I think I I respect um, what your leadership here and and I think it's just another reason for me to to endorse you as as a best in class leader. Um, but I wanted to also say I appreciate greatly you joining us on the the CPG view you know our ambition is to be the number one CPG information source for global omnichannel leaders and you know we touched on several different things today from digital strategy to leadership empowerment to capabilities and i just very much appreciate you taking the time uh, to join me and us as we uh, you know continue to progress in, in our ambition and I appreciate you with this education and, and the ability to bring people together and, uh, and and share and talk about these really important topics. And again, adding to the community of digital commerce is amazing. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by Visit, the visual AI platform that's revolutionizing the way brands secure consumer attention boost sales, and win every moment with consumers with advantaged visual content. Did you know that a staggering 93% of consumers say visuals are the key deciding factor in their purchase decisions? 
That's why Visit is your ultimate partner to unlock the full potential of imagery that attracts and converts. Leveraging their patented AI analysis software, Visit automatically gathers, organizes, and analyzes thousands of product images across your digital shelf to measure and enhance the conversion power of your PDP imagery in real time. This innovative technology helps you understand, predict, and optimize what captures your audience's attention and why. With Visit, you can increase conversion up to 45%, grow online sales up to 30%, and drive increases in traffic of up to 25%. Don't miss out on the opportunity to elevate your visual content and outshine your competition with Visit. Head to visit.com, V-I-Z-I-T.com to learn more and start captivating your target audience today. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the CPG View, the number one CPG information source for global omni-channel leaders. Mm-hmm.